The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Well, we have already nearly one quarter of the NBA season in the rearview mirror here at the end of November, recording this on Sunday, November 28th. And it's time to get to some awards with one Danny LaRue coming to us live from Columbia, the country. The country, not the district. Um, Yeah, it's been, it happened very quickly, but it's been pretty awesome so far. Um, So that's a part of why you'll, you'll see John Hollinger's beautiful face instead of mine um, on the NBA cast, but it, it's it's been great so far. I'll, I'll do some of the usual caveats since this is our first awards podcast in a while. Um, this is not predictions. This is not where we think these awards will be at the end of the season. It is instead, if the season ended today, how we feel these would go. And for those of you who've been with us for a while, we will mix in some of our own awards. We'll do pretty much all of the official ones except for most improved player because that's A, really pain a pain to research, and B, it's not really, you kind of need a larger sample to get into what's really improvement that'll come up in a couple categories but we'll go through a lot of big topics for sure but I, the prediction part of this is so important and so it's not about who we think is good and as a general cutoff I'll mention this more in all NBA if somebody's played less than half of their team's available games I'm pretty much not going to consider them Freddie yeah that's uh, in this first award iteration that's the one that's the most difficult where some guys have missed half the season and what we're saying is as, when the season added today you know who's adding the most value in a lot of these categories and so for someone like say LeBron James or Joel Embiid just not really going to be eligible for someone like this they've missed half the season so far and that doesn't mean and so I, I actually approach this differently than I maybe do for all-star uh, where I think that's yes. a little bit more about just who, who the who the best players are in combination of how well they've played and also again you know if you've missed one third of the season or something up to all-star but you're gonna play the rest of the year then it, it, it's a little different so this is just we are simply trying to capture what has happened already this season and so I think that was a good point that you made that this isn't forward looking this isn't who we think the actual best players are or any of that I will still have a little bit of a tiebreaker if I think it's very close on which player I think is better but I didn't run into too many of those types of, of issues here so some of the stuff that we'll look at obviously you know we'll look at some of the usual true shooting percentage usage how a team performs when a player is on the floor versus off the floor uh, we'll the only two one number metrics that I was able to consult here were dunks and threes estimated plus minus and 538's Raptor RPM doesn't look like that's out yet and uh the RAPM that I used last year doesn't look like they've got anything yet which I mean the one number metrics are very noisy at this point 
in the season. I'm not going to rely on them quite as heavily, nor would I rely on the on-off data quite as heavily at this point in the season yes, as I might so later. Much, there's so much variance in everything that it's that that's a very good point. Yeah, and you know, a couple of hot shooting three-point games by another team can totally skew your defensive rating, etc. So, without further ado, let's get to it here, Danny. MVP, who is your MVP through the first month and a half of the season? First off, a big picture thing that was as interesting for me, something we typically mention is also considered, you know, so for other players that were in the conversation, I am very rigid with that, that if I didn't seriously consider somebody else, then I'm not going to really mention them. Um, I don't care about, oh, this player who was it, who was like having a good season, but isn't top five or whatever. So for what was interesting for me for MVP, and I wanted to see if you felt the same. I thought there were five guys and typically the MVP valid is five players. And to me, there were, you know, because value includes how much you play. So there are other players, of course, who are excellent, who are excellent at basketball. And there are other guys who will be on this list later on, potentially. But to me, if you're looking at, you know, if you want to look at like value of a replacement player, you want to look at kind of any of these big factors to me, at least, I only really seriously considered five guys. They're all having really nice years. And so for me, there are no also considered here. No, I completely agree. It just so happened there's five spots in the MVP ballot. And I thought five guys uh, that very clearly deserved those spots. But uh, the order uh, will be interesting. Mm-hmm. So who is yes. your number one? My number one is Stephen Curry. And he has been, you know, I think there is an, a clear argument between Curry and Nikola Jokic in terms of who has been the best offensive player. So if we're ignoring playing time, you know, all that, they're both immensely significant parts of their team's offense. Both of those teams have been very successful. And I mean, Curry, 64% true shooting on 32 usage with a 34 assist percentage. That's basketball references version of the stat. That's actually a little bit, it's about similar to what Jokic's role is. And Jokic is more efficient as an individual scorer. But for me, and I actually don't have Jokic second, I would probably, if it weren't for playing time, I have him third. But so Stephen Curry is my number one. Yeah, Steph Curry was my number one uh, as well. And uh, a few stats uh, on why he's been so good. Obviously, that the Warriors record they're playing the Clippers as we record this it has been ridiculous. They've been by far the best team in basketball. Stephen Curry has a net rating coming into today, and so, some of these stats might be a little out of date for some people because I, I did some of this research on Friday and Saturday, as I'm sure you did too. But uh, this is accurate as of before today's game. Stephen Curry has a 20.7 net rating, which which is seven points per 100 possession better than the second highest player who also plays the golden state warriors and is all and is named andrew wiggins Uh, which is uh, it's, that's got to be a surprise for me. There's another player too who all of a sudden is like an, an on-off monster who uh, hasn't been at other points in his career that that we'll get to later on, I'm sure, in these awards. So yeah, now is Steph Curry responsible for uh, having a 97 defensive rating when he's on the floor? No, he's not the driver of that, but he also isn't preventing that. And yeah, he, I, he's I, not a consistent point of failure, which I think is an yeah. extremely important calibrator for a lot of this stuff. No, I think so. He's gotten stronger. He does a, a much better job holding up in isolation, executes the system really well. Um, so, uh, yeah, that is to have a when you also are arguably having the best statistical season. You know, he he is basically right up there with Jokic in terms of uh, the 
Raptor and EPM in terms of their offensive impact. Jokic's defensive impact is is larger, at least according to these metrics. See, we'll comment on that as we always do. Clearly, Jokic has gotten better so far, absolutely uh, defensively. But yeah, Curry number one. And, and, and there's oh, sorry, yeah. and there's more positive for Denver to give credit to as well. I mean, they're having they're having a very strong year overall on that end. Actually, they're 17th now. They were better when last time I looked. Yeah, well, when yeah, because Jokic has missed a, a bunch of time, and so that's also why I have have Jokic in third. You know, I think if you look at just the statistical indicators, I mean, you know, at PR we don't really rely on that much anymore. But he's on pace for the best PR of all time by a, a number of points, which is you know, no one's ever had over 32, and he's at 35 right now. Um, but yeah, Curry is tied with Jokic for number one in offensive EPM, and he is considered positive uh, on defense. So again, you know, particularly when you're comparing him to other point guards, uh, being a positive uh, as a point guard uh, where the replacement level is lower defensively than it would be at center. That's a big deal. So, uh, and so we have it here as well, just to give you the stats for Stephen Curry at this point in time. Maybe not quite as ridiculous as last year, but it is also worth noting that, and, and this is something I think it's going to come up as we go through the rest of these awards that guards in particular there it, it seems to be much harder for guards to dominate this year than it has been in the past maybe that's due to the new rules but Curry you know, doesn't rely on that uh, nearly as much but 64% true shooting uh, for Steph Curry league average this year is 55 it was 57 last year 42% from three and 32% usage uh well again I guess uh his team is 16 and two when he plays in that personal net rating so I, I i don't think there's anybody who is gonna gonna feel uncomfortable with steph curry as their mvp right now um anything else right. you want and, to say on if, curry well i'll just mention that if you know if, if Jokic had played the full the full slate of games which is ridiculous when you think about he's been the iron man for for a lot of the a lot of his career then this would be a different conversation but that's just not what we're dealing with i don't, I don't think to me like so for example epm thinks of Jokic's defense as significantly more valuable than Steph Curry's and you know he's well ahead in that in that you know the all-in-one version of that but if you shift it to estimated wins which is basically how well they played combined with how much they played even by that which thinks Jokic has been far better Curry is still well ahead and that actually yeah. has and so and I think EPM personally I think it overrates Jokic's defense I mean he's been better than previous years but the person who's actually tied with him in estimated wins right now and has a lower defensive thing which is part of why I'm lower on EPM's defense is my number two and that's Giannis Antetokounmpo and and Giannis, not as ridiculous offensively as the other two guys that are in this mix, but he is a fantastic defensive player. And he's had to shoulder a larger offensive role than other times due to the absences of all the other players. And that's a part of the story of the season so far is that Jokic, you know, he's had to deal with a lot with Jamal Murray being out and Steph Curry, Clay Thompson's been out, but their compliment's been, you know, their cupboard's been relatively full. But the Bucks, I mean, not only have Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Dante DiVincenzo, remember him and Brooke Lopez all miss significant time they all miss significant time at did, the did you same mention time. Drew Holiday too and yes I did and so oh, that, like that's that's ridiculous and so for the Bucks to be where they are to be eighth in net rating but to have a 12 and 8 record as we record this and Giannis has been just a massive part of their success and like it's wild that his role within the Bucks offense to this point because of the absence of Drew and some of the other stuff his role within the Bucks offense is actually comparable to Jokic and Curry he's not as good at it but he's 
in that mix, which is insane. Well, and here, here's the other thing that's insane. You, you mentioned some of the absences that the Bucks uh, have had. Um, you know, I mentioned Steph, 20.7 net rating is number one. Wiggins, number two, 13.7. Giannis Antetokounmpo is number three in the NBA. This is for players who have played more than 25 minutes a game. Giannis is actually number three in the entire NBA in net rating for a team that has had, you know, he hasn't had Brooke Lopez for one second, right? Like the 99 defensive rating, gotten some some shooting luck there too. But, you know, he's playing next to Bobby Portis. I think he did for one second because Lopez played in the first game, but not much more than one right. second. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, a very, very little. Yeah. So uh, they've been without Lopez. So he's been playing. He's basically played more center in his career. I think he's played like 60% of his minutes or so at center per basketball reference. Uh, you know, Bobby Portis is essentially the only other established big man that they've had available. He's had to play next to Thanasis a, a lot of times uh, as well. And, you know, they've got, they haven't had Drew Holiday for a large part of the season. It's been Grayson Allen on, on the perimeter. They don't have really any kind of a wing stopper this year either pat Connaughton has been solid but he's not uh, amazing i mean I, I wouldn't consider the defensive personnel that's been available to the bucks other than Giannis to be above average and yet their defensive performance has been incredible and you're you're making some interesting points here i had kevin durant at number two uh Jokic at three and anakumpo at four i think between kd Jokic, and anakumpo you're really splitting hairs uh you know i did have curry significantly above uh, all of them but i'm uh so I, I'm going to stick with that. I mean, Katie's the season that he's having is unbelievable. The Nets have, you know, they've had some flubs in high profile games, but they're also 14 and six right now. And uh, he is having just one of the best shooting seasons that has ever happened. I think your big and their defense has actually been better than expected, which I think he's been part of your the biggest reason I would say to uh, for a demerit for KD is that, you know, is he really driving that much efficient offense outside of what he's doing himself? which obviously right. is massive on its own yeah but I, also i think they, i think that's a factor and yeah he's, but he's, but they they don't have anyone else defensive. available right like harden started slowly though he's actually i think come on a lot more than realized as we may get to yes. later but they have like no spacing their centers have been awful other, other than aldridge they're playing all these guys like bembry and javon carter and you know joe harris has been out a lot as well and and yet they've <laughs> continued to roll along he's playing a ton of minutes um so i and, and this is one where i also because i all these guys are so close i kind of went with the tiebreaker of just who i think is the better player and so that's why i had katie a little bit above yoga Kumpo. but i think there are very reasonable arguments for either so i just wanted to finish up there but it, you, i'm sure you no, i think i think that's also. i think that's good i think that's good to do i mean so we have it for durant 65 percent true shooting which for a perimeter player is completely wild on 31 usage and then like his role if you include assists it's you know it's in line with a lot of the other guys and then the other reason why i think you have we both have a separate between these four and the fifth, who I believe is probably going to be Jimmy Butler for both of us, is also the amount of time played. So Durant has played 676 minutes as we record this. That's about a game more because of how much he's playing per game than Giannis and Steph, and that's significantly more than Jokic. So I mean, that is an argument. You know, as much as great as Jokic has been, like has Jokic been one third better in all of his minutes? Like he's been incredible. I, I think there is an argument, but that's that's the. So I have Jokic three and Durant four, but that's part of it. 
But yeah, I think actually, that. I think I actually will move, you know, because I kind of had it in my head when I started doing this that Giannis had missed more time than he actually had. Um, and so uh, I, I'm gonna actually move him to three. I'll put Jokic at four, uh, based on on the playing time. Say, and also, also just again, the who I think is better tiebreaker. I think would would go to Giannis to, on that as well. Yeah, and Although, and and so yeah. if you have a Durant Butler argument, which you do, I mean, you have him as further apart. Were Giannis Butler to me, the other part of that is just that he they played significantly more. I mean, Giannis has played over a, basically a game more than Jimmy Butler and that's a lot you know that for for how important these players are and value being on the court does really matter I mean but let's take a beat to talk about Jimmy Butler's season ridiculous 28 PER 62% true shooting smaller role within the heat offense than all of these other candidates but I also think Butler is a better defensive player than Kevin Durant um and yes the Bucks are instead of the Nets have had some defensive success the Heat are also better defensively than the Nets are and so Butler's having he's having an absolutely fantastic year he's still getting to the line when some other players you know some other players either took some time or just aren't getting to the line as much and so he's been fabulous on both ends of the floor yeah I, i'm in agreement there and i mean when you just the top line numbers he actually has had higher usage this year than he's had a lot of times he's third in the nba in per 62 percent true shooting 27 usage and you know gets a ton of steals uh, as well now i still i think he's he's actually improved some of his isolation scoring this year uh, I still he's just not the type of offensive engine running everything for his team the way that Jokic Giannis Curry and KD are you know he's just not in their class as an offensive player you know he, he's kind of more really more of a 1A type of offensive player which is indicated by his usage and you know he he is one guy who's been resilient in terms of getting to the foul line I, I also just don't think he's as good as these other guys are so uh, and I don't think there's really any kind of statistics I, I would say for Curry, Durant, Giannis, and Jokic, you could at least come up with some stats that would tell you that they are they are the MVP. I don't think that's the case with Butler. I would have them in a tier below these guys. But then there's really nobody else coming up behind him that's at all close. Um, so yeah, I would agree. Yeah. So to reiterate here, Curry one, KD two, Giannis three, Jokic four, Butler five for me. And I have Curry one, Giannis two, Jokic three, Durant four, Jimmy Butler. So now we get to first team All NBA. Well, do you want to do this by positions? That's usually that usually ends up being a more cogent conversation. Well, I think first first team. Uh, let's talk about the whole first team because there's one issue here, and that is that I just don't consider Jimmy Butler a guard. Like he is. No, he doesn't. He doesn't play it anymore at all. No, no. He, I mean, he'll on offense, he will a little bit, but there are basically zero minutes when he's on the floor without two guard next to him. And uh, he really operates not entirely like he'll operate both on and off the ball in pick and roll as either a dribbler or a screener. But he's he plays really power forward a lot on offense, definitely small forward. He starts at small forward, so yeah, I, I can I cannot in good conscience make him a guard. So that opens up a slot for first team all. NBA Butler gets my second team one of my uh, second team uh forward slots um let's I'm in do let's pull heartedly by the way I'm sorry I'm in full agreement there too yeah okay so let's let's finish out forward here I, I think that's a good way to start here because uh, again we run into maybe some problems with traditional positional definitions and the guy that I have as my second team all NBA forward is another guy like Butler who has been considered a guard in the past but plays exclusively at forward now for the Chicago Bulls and that's DeMar DeRozan. Yep, he is my 
he is my guy as well. And DeRozan has been really impressive during the start. 59% true shooting, huge role within the Bulls offense when he's on the floor, 30% usage, 20% assist percentage. And this, you know, for those who remember the in the 15 and 60 that we did a week ago, I kind of like in my head, I, I didn't know this at the time that I was laying the groundwork for putting DeRozan's second team all NBA. But part of why the Bulls have been so effective is the lineups when DeRozan has been on the floor and Zach Levine has been off. And yes, I think there is some, there's some potential anomalous positives with their, with their defensive success in those minutes, but they've been very good offensively. And he is the primary creator in those minutes. And there aren't that many forwards who have that kind of burden, who have succeeded individually as scorers and have been an important part of the kind of collaborative, you know, the offensive, the overall offensive ecosystem. And then the other thing is that DeRozan has been, we could put it as less of a negative or he's been, he's been better. Let's just put it that way defensively. So in another year where that could put somebody like Paul George or, you know, if LeBron were full strength over him, that's not the case right now. So I, I, I have DeRozan as my second team, my second, second team forward as well. Yeah. And also, I don't think there's anyone else who's just having like a crazy forward season other than him. And this is uh, AD really struggling this year. LeBron missing time. You know, the forward position maybe is down a, a little bit from what it's been. I would I would say all this is down from what it's been. And that's, again, something we'll have to talk about it as we go through this. Um, you know, maybe that's just a recalibration now from the silly season offense that we saw before where we were like, oh man, it's just impossible to choose between all these guards who are having ridiculous seasons seasons and you know that wasn't nearly as hard to do this year because there are a lot of guys who just don't have the statistical argument they just have been bad uh, by their standards so far as they adjust to whether it's the foul shoot uh, the lack of fouls or just struggling from three or the new ball whatever it is uh, there are a lot of guys who are down as as we'll get to but you know DeRozan the the one reason for caution with him is that a lot of his on-off success is because the Bulls defensive rating has been awesome when he's on the floor uh chicago sure. uh per nba.com here a 99.6 defensive rating when DeRozan is on the floor and that's well i would say he's done more this year i'm not going to give him the credit for that you know that that's that giving demar DeRozan a bunch of credit for now one thing we've talked about before is this idea and how much credit do you give someone for being a really resilient offensive player who can create shots without much spacing on the floor so you can play more defensive players with him can you give someone credit for his style of offense allowing your defense to be better you know is that i mean steph curry you could probably throw that argument in there too uh with his sterling uh defensive numbers that's probably getting a little bit too attenuated uh on something like this but it may may be something to consider but i still when you're talking about just pure value that you are delivering on the defensive end of the floor you know demar Derozan still should not be considered a positive there uh, even if he has has been better so we'll see how this changes like his individual numbers have been very good as you mentioned they are a little bit on the wane the bulls in general have kind of run out of steam some in the last week and a half or so and we'll see how they look a month from now and maybe these numbers have normalized and i will fully say i don't necessarily expect demar to finish the season in this slot but who are the other people at forwards that that you're considering because again i i you know i'm no DeRozan stand by any means but I just didn't think anyone else had the statistical argument to to be in this group uh, at this point. It it has been a rough year for a lot of the a lot of the forwards, and I'd say the place to start there is with the Lakers guys. I mean, LeBron has played fewer than half of his team's games this year, and worth noting that you could argue the reason he 
has played fewer is because he did get suspended for one game. Um, but so that's because he's at 10 of 21 and theoretically would have been at 11 of 21. Yeah. I mean, that I wouldn't have changed the analysis for me, but no, not, not significantly. Um, so, well, and, 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 and worth Anthony, noting too, LeBron James has a negative net rating when he's on the floor this year. It's incredible. Even when he and does. Part of that also is another disappointment, somebody who's so damn good that he was under consideration, but this has been a really down year for Anthony Davis and Davis 56% true shooting. When you think about what he is asked to do, that's shockingly low. And the Lakers defense has taken some steps back. Now, some of that could be opponent shooting and it'll look better over the course of the year. But I have neither of those gentlemen on any of my OMBA team. No, and, and AD, superficially, some of the numbers are good. His jump shot has been so off so far this year. He's shooting 17% from three. Remember, it was like such a big deal in like 13, 14, and 14, 15 that he was taking threes. And you know, he sh- still shoots a good percentage from the line, although that's even down too to 73%. He used to be like well into the 80s. His mid-range jumper has been totally off. And then defensively, he just hasn't had any kind of an impact. Opponents are shooting 64% at the rim when he's on the floor. I mean, that's, that is really bad. He has a negative 5.3 net rating. He's 106th overall in Raptor. There just isn't the argument other than just that he's scored points and gotten rebounds. He hasn't had the pot, the type of positive impact on, on his team. And if we're, if you're going to give him credit for his defense this year, and he's had some moments that have looked good, like in that Pistons game, but overall, yes, the Lakers surrounding defensive talent is terrible. And hey, teams that play Carmelo Anthony a lot at power forward always end up wondering why their defense really sucks. But Hey, all those teams had perfectly constructed rosters too, Nate. I'm not going to let you off the hook there. (laughs) So yeah, and as much as the Lakers struggles and people are blaming the Westbrook move and stuff, like Westbrook, if you look at his stats, are actually like pretty much the same as they were in Washington last year. And especially when you consider that offense is down, he's had some really terrible games. But I mean, the bigger problem with how this Lakers team is constructed is just that LeBron and AD haven't, whether due to not being there or not playing up to their levels, like that's, that's the sine qua non before any of this other stuff can can really work out. So, and again, you know, like they're playing more offensively focused lineups this year and he's playing more at center. Like he is, you mentioned it, like he is, should be in position, even with LeBron out, to have a really good offensive year. And that just hasn't been the case so far, particularly with his jumper being way off. So yeah, no LeBron, no AD. Who who actually then is in consideration here for these third team forward spots? So I had, I, I kind of settled on two guys then that narrowed the field. And also I, I like the guard crop a fair amount but I didn't feel comfortable with any of them sliding over. So I'll have a lot more honorable mentions on the guard line. Um, but so for me, the other two spots go to two Pacific Division guys, and that's Paul George and Draymond Green. And Paul George, he has to sh- he's shouldering a huge creation burden on these Clippers, you know, 34% usage, 27 assist percentage. He is below average as an individual scorer. 54% is just slightly below the league average this year. But I brought this up with the Rose. There aren't that many forwards who have that kind of role within their offense, and George is been, you know, he's been a, a meaningful part of the Clippers' defensive success this year as we're recording yeah. this. They're number two in the league. And so for me, George, you know, I, I don't know how I will be feeling about his case if, you know, let's say some of the other high-profile guys were having better seasons, but I think he's the best of the remaining crop. No, I think you're right. And they're really, to me, was there anyone else in serious consideration for you at, at forward? No, and that's why Draymond got the last spot. I mean, so Draymond Green, let's just say he will be in conversation of the best defensive players so far this season. Well, be there. And, and Draymond, yes, his offensive game is very dependent on the individual brilliance of Stephen Curry, that, you know, that it makes what Draymond does so much more viable, that you have not only a, the greatest shooter of all time, but somebody who can do so much off ball. That means the teams have to be more aware of Draymond when the ball's in his hands. But 
he's he he still has a success an important role in the offense and so i i think that again in a different in a different stretch of time in a different thing i i don't know like we talked about the possibility that raymond was an all-star i didn't think he was going to be an all-nba consideration but here we go yeah and when lebron comes back you know if lebron had just played more games he would be ahead of g and draymond for me i, I think uh, at minimum um you know draymond we'll talk about him more in defensive player of the year because I think there is some some interesting stuff there in the statistics. But I think one of the biggest things about Draymond, and, you know, he's talked about this, how he, he's gotten into better shape again, and he's not drinking as much as his age 31 season. And he just looks so much better physically. He's actually, he, his, he doesn't shoot at all still, but he's actually able to drive and finish at the rim now. And yeah, this is, to me, just, I mean, I, you know, I've seen a lot of Warriors games in person over Draymond's entire career. This is the best he's looked finishing maybe since his second or third year. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, and obviously he's able to get to the basket more playing off of Steph Curry and, and being played by smaller players and all that. But he, you know, he had a, just a, he just blew right by Yusuf Nurkic for a dunk on Friday. That's just, just adding that element that teams have to be concerned with. And when he gets the ball under the basket, he can actually like power up and finish now he's not afraid to go up any longer uh and so to put that into perspective he's now taking 41 percent of his shots at the basket which would be the second highest percentage of his career and especially when you consider that he basically didn't take any of his shots from downtown this year he's taking a, a career low uh shots from downtown i guess that's why he's you can say he's taking more at the rim but he, considering that that's kind of like his only offensive game uh to have improved to 76 percent at the rim this year which is by far a career high as well is is pretty good we'll talk more about it, his defense but clearly i think you know, he's one of the three or four most valuable defenders in basketball. The ability to shift to center is big. But again, I, I would caution that this is kind of more about they're not like I wouldn't necessarily consider this as like some just like ridiculous all NBA season quite yet from a statistical standpoint and some of the impact metrics, which and it's not like those are biased against Draymond Green because he's always been someone who's like massively outperformed in that during their uh, dynasty heyday. But yeah, that, so that's I, I think I mean, yeah, they're really to me, we're not any other serious people in consideration other than ad and and we explained why he's not in the frost so let's go to center and number one is easy that's Nikola Jokic. i don't think there i don't think there's a good argument for anybody else right now and then the other two spots it's funny because it's familiar suspects including the return of one who used to be a familiar suspect and that is carl anthony towns and yeah he's, he was my second team on ba as well it's it's always so interesting when you and i haven't discussed this at all and we end up mirroring each other this is actually we're, well so like, i actually i actually have gobert second and towns third oh okay i'm oh, um, sorry i have Towns second I mean, and gobert third. those those two it's it's a really close call i mean in towns yeah he has been unbelievable offensively that's not a huge surprise i mean 63 true shooting is and 26 usage that is you know lower than Jokic and all that like he's not the same offensive force you and i have wondered over the years whether that was going to be the case it hasn't but also whether i think there's some parallels to the DeRozan conversation where it's like how much of this is him versus how much of this is him not being as much of a point of failure but the wolves have been far better defensively when towns has been on the floor this year and so that's why for me the reason why towns is over Embiid is partially that he has played significantly more but it's also partially because he's been really 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 good yeah and this is this is a year where carl anthony towns 
as over a six net rating the wolves are, are starting to find it their defense has been much better uh it, again i don't think he's like the driver of that but he's at least not preventing it from happening which is more than you could say in previous years he's basically the only guy on this team who is above average from an efficiency standpoint he's the only guy keeping their offense uh, above water and i have a little bit above gobert i'll get more into gobert maybe um it, it, so a couple of things about gobert uh gobert still is only allowing 42 percent shooting at the rim via the tracking data on um, his contested shot yes yeah on things that he's actually contested um you know the numbers are not quite as sexy in terms of the overall percentage that opponents shoot at the rim when he's in the game he's still and then also part of the reason why he may be a little, little bit lower in some of the impact metrics although still pretty high uh in estimated plus minus is just that teams are shooting five percent better from three when he's on the floor versus when he's off the floor and but what he does still do so he's not actually impacting opponent shot making that much but what he is still doing is impacting opponent shot profiles a lot oh, and yeah. so yeah yeah and i mean jazz are they're still doing kind of the same the similar jazz stuff when he's on the floor of their defensive rebounding well they're not fouling a ton and, and yeah. opponent shots are in the right ballpark but yeah I, I think it's totally fair to have towns for Gobert. i mean i have them in the same kind of the same overall tier and towns does have a a larger offensive role and b has been way better at it um so yeah i i'm totally i'm totally fine with that yeah. uh Go- gobert I, is also uh having his best defensive rebounding season by a ton mm-hmm. although part of that is because nobody else team can get a rebound when he's on the floor yes uh he's uh 38% defensive rebounds which leads the NBA. He's also having his best offensive season with 73% true shooting. That's been helped by the fact that he's up to 67% at the foul line this year, which is close to a career high and in 17-18 he was 60%. Um so so that's helping him and he's also getting to the foul line more uh with 7.5 free throw attempts per 36 minutes. That's a, a high as well and he's eh, shooting 72% for field which also would be a career high. So that's that's all uh, so he's been a, a positive on offense as well i think he's a, a clear third team i will say though because mb just hasn't played enough for me unfortunately due to covid uh was there anyone else who's kind of in this mix for you not really i mean there were some there are some guys that i kind of have feelers on like capella and turner but i don't think that they were really in this mix for me yeah and some of these guys too i'm going to talk about a little bit more bam out of bio is probably the other one uh, oh yeah that that's would a good need- point need to get talked about but he's he's not really close in terms of the impact metrics he also is just is down quite a bit in terms of his efficiency in part that's because the usage though is up to 25 percent for him it's gone down a little bit since the last time i looked at it um they're not running quite as much through him offensively now with lowry and hero getting more reps so his passing is not it hasn't been as useful though they still do some stuff with that as well he's taking more jumpers but they've kind of gone away from that just a little bit uh in recent vintage like in that bulls game last night so he's not quite in this group for me but i'll talk a little bit more about him when we get into defense for the year i would say that if any anyone has a candidacy here it would be turner but he's also just not in the same class of pair as gobert and towns at at this point he's he's not as good defensively and he also doesn't you know as some of the guys and then he doesn't have the role of somebody like towns offensively so i i I love welser yeah i mean we'll we'll get into him on on defensive player of the year i think i think he's having an underrated defensive season but let's get to the guards now these are always the most difficult and brutal this year so this this section i i would say it wasn't as bad for me 
as it has been the last couple of years because you don't just have so many guys putting up completely ridiculous statistical well, that's seasons. part of what made it harder for me is that you got into that tier of like guys having good years but not having elite years and i just yeah. so like my also considered like the guys that i seriously did consider was like eight guys yeah that's that's fair but i i thought i felt pretty good about giving my other first team all nba guard slot to trey young so did i and the hawks have a ridiculous 118 offensive rating when trey young is on the floor 25 per 59 percent true shooting on you know not only does he take a lot of shots but also you know 45 percent of of the plays when he's on the floor that he's not shooting he's assisting which is ridiculous and so and he is he's the engine like and he has the largest role within an offense of any guy that's having a truly elite season shout out to luca for a having a slightly small role and b not having an elite season so yeah i think i think i had trey as a cut above everybody else and then the waters got murky for me well and the really interesting thing about trey is he's, he's leading the nba in assist percentage this year highest usage of his career but he's doing that with his free throw rate having fallen from 49 percent to 29 percent. but he has basically the exact same true shooting that he's had the last two years before this one so he's managed to maintain his offensive performance while slightly increasing his role reducing his turnovers and in a massively falling offensive environment and in a way when the reason for that falling offensive environment number one is fewer foul calls on the perimeter so he was supposed to be the guy who's going to be affected the most out of these changes and yet he has been been affected a lot (laughs) yeah yeah but but he's still in terms of his overall statistical performance and the the offensive statistical performance of his team he has maintained it more than any of these other high scoring guards and i mean it's kind of interesting i don't think this is going to persist for their careers but that trey young has actually been better than luka Doncic so far this year that's uh that's a little significant by a significant degree too it's a little interesting yeah um well so who are the other candidates here and why do you have trey young above them so i would say for me i have the remaining guards so the four gentlemen who made my all nba teams and then to an extent the next four to five all in about the same tier one guy's actually probably a little lower than that but he's an incredible player so i kind of gave him a little bit of a nudge and so for me you get into this interesting question which is factoring in the guy's role within the team their success individually and collectively and then also you know it's not as important for guards but defense does better and that's a part of why chris paul is on my second team and as a chris paul doesn't have the scoring workload of basically anybody else than serious consideration for me but he's been efficient at what he does there he's been a huge part of the sun's offense creating for other people which has always been a big part of it he is second to trey i believe in assist percentage he's definitely second of the you know the guys that are in consideration for these sorts of awards and he's the best defender of this group and so i think that in the absence of anyone else having what i would consider a truly great season i, I you know i and again i have him as just the best of this tier yeah 11.4 assists per 36 minutes for chris paul uh, his shooting has been a little bit off uh, particularly from three not taking as many threes not making as many we heard that he's had off-season wrist surgery so his overall is his efficiency both in terms of his true shooting that's down by about a point and a half but still less than the overall decline for the league uh chris paul hilariously free throw rate has increased from 21 percent to 36 percent part of that is just because he's taking fewer shots now you know he's actually below slightly below 20 percent usage he was 22.6 last year i expect that'll ramp up as he's getting more comfortable with this season you know he definitely is the biggest defensive positive uh, of any of this group i think uh, that we're talking about at guard and 
yeah, he was on my second team as well. I I had him fourth among the guards rather than third if I had to rank them. And John Morant was my number. Th- He's my other second team guard. And Morant, huge, you know, he had crazy role within Memphis's office. He's only at 56% true shooting, but 36% assist percentage. And Morant partially due to the success that he drives and partially due to some of the Grizzly struggles otherwise. He is number three among players we consider guards and offensive estimated plus minus a narrowly ahead of some other guys that got serious consideration and yeah he's among the worst of this group defensively but he's still a huge driver of their offense and yeah i had him above the next group but then this is where things got well, well so, a yeah. few more things on morant sure uh increased usage to 32 percent from 27 percent 19 points gained to 24 turnover percentage is way down from 15 percent to 13 percent rebounding better passing more than he ever has as well uh more efficient than he's been again considering that the league has declined his free throw rate has gone down but yet his efficiency has gone up now again this part of this is just based on what he has done so far and i would predict that some of his outside shooting will decline i mean the other problem of course is that he suffered this sprained knee and he's got to have more testing done on it that's i'm a little worried about that you know memphis is another one of these teams that just completely obfuscates when it comes to injuries you know it's feeling a little Kawhi leonardy right now um that like he needs to have more imaging done i couldn't really see the injury mechanism when he got hurt so I, i'm i'm concerned about this i don't think this i'm hopeful that it's like oh sprained knee might be out for three weeks like that that sprained knee also is just not it's not like an actual diagnosis of what the injury is and what ligament is affected etc so but as of right now you know i think i think it, it, it's pretty clear both in the impact metrics and just you know, the traditional statistics as well the box score stuff that he's uh, above these next two guys so uh who do you then have uh, on third team and then was there anyone else in this universe sure so my number five guy and he was a little bit separate from the group though i've said that this tier is very close is james harden and harden having an efficient individual wait, I, year, I don't, I, if, wait hold on danny I, he sucks this year you didn't you didn't hear that oh i've heard it and he did really <laughs> struggle at, at times in the year but 59 percent true shooting crazy role within the offense 28 usage yeah. and 40 percent assist percentage and then one of the other telling things which made me more confident i was going to put harden in, around here anyway but the reason i one of the reasons i considered putting him higher yes they have strong defensive talent in many of these minutes but the nets when durant has been off and harden has been on 116 offensive rating that's very very good and yes those groups generally play as floor spacing center it's been aldridge because claxton's been out it's primarily been him and patty mills is often in the lineup so they've got a lot of you know got a lot of guys that can shoot got guys that can score but and they've been successful defensively i think that's a little bit anomalous but so harden it's not just the rising tide and kevin durant's been amazing and we neither of us had Harden in MVP consideration but he's been very good overall this year yeah I think so I, he had another stinker last night against the Suns though and they got smoked I, yeah. I, I mean and so some of the things to, that are concerning for him turnover percentage is just out of control right now now I think a big part of that was trying for foul calls and just losing the ball early in the year and he definitely has come on some uh he is actually getting the foul line more than he did last year as a net at least as a percentage of his overall attempts like the raw numbers are down because his usage hasn't been as high so far uh 
and they're also again he's really benefiting here from some of these other guys dropping off even more um so but yeah i mean i think just still statistically he he also adds more passing than some of these guys still more efficient scoring although when you throw the turnovers in that that gap probably gets eliminated you know we have these qualms about his defense as well but again it's just yeah and by the eye test he hasn't looked that good but he just statistically i think has been a little bit better than some of the rest of these guys it's also just remember that harden was a level above a lot of these guys until very recently so even a step back for him is still a very effective player even if it's an imperfect one Um, now i would say i would say harden would be my number six guy though uh zach levine would be my number five yeah levine i mean i'm surprised a little bit that we ended up with the same guys um levine to me so honorable mentions they also considered conley and mitchell in utah lillard who's having a big down year um luca's also having a big down year he's not even i don't i i I lightly considered him you know mostly on the idea that he's a better player than this and it's shooting is a big part of it and what i want to mention i'm you know i i'm not saying that he's the he's this level of player lamello ball is ninth in value of a replacement player right and that's not because of his Uh, on on what statistic vorp okay um which is just that's what i'm just saying i'm just saying it's interesting like i didn't put him i didn't put him on my teams um but no no he's he's been he's been getting higher in some of these impact like a lot of those stats seem to really like him you know i think part of that is because those they use passing and assists and 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 uh or, or pass uh passing steals rebounding he's good in all of those things and so they kind of use those signals where right. i honestly actually i would say watching lamello and also on defense he's pretty terrible uh, as a, as an individual defender and his lack of physicality is kind of is a big problem for the hornets but i would say he looks a lot worse than some of the, some of the advanced statistics like him oh i would agree with that and then lamello is now benefiting from something that other players in this list have benefited from in the past which is that the hornets have been a lot worse when he's been off for and is some of that not having lamello sure is some of that also just not having the backstop of the backup guards that charlotte has had over the last couple years yeah i think that's a part of it too yeah well and also they play some very very offense focused lineups <laughs> why yes they do too. um but but anyway yeah so i mean lamella was i considered him but i i just don't think he's quite in this class yet either i think he's also very much like his two-point shooting and scoring is still pretty sorry they really needs to get better at that where you know the three-point shooting we'll see whether that still is going to sustain him we're getting more and more evidence that it's going to um let's talk about levine though here and yeah absolutely again this is another one where just in terms of his usage and efficiency also helping to carry a bulls team that doesn't really have any other threats aside from he and DeRozan at this point um you know I, I, there's just not really uh, although Devin Booker is starting to come on you know I think we'll probably see him in this next time we do this um Levine with 60 percent true shooting 30 percent usage gotten much better defensively it has not really been a huge impediment for him. he still gets back cut every once in a while but it's nowhere near as as bad as it had been 39 percent from three when a lot of guys have been struggling getting to the, he's another one of these guys is actually getting to the line more more this year swimming upstream on that with some of the changes particularly for guard so I, I thought it's when you just look at some of the top line numbers I don't see really how there's much of an argument for anyone else in this group and uh, anything else you want to say on Levine because I did kind of want to go through just some of the stats from these other guys uh some of the some of the guys that we you know have grown to know and love and expect to be in this just who are not right yeah, now I mean Luca Luca 
50% true shooting on still a crazy big role within Dallas's offense. Donovan Mitchell's at 53% true shooting this year. Conley, ridiculous in that metric, 66%, you know, Durant-esque, um, but smaller role within the Jazz offense, like Chris yeah. Paul Blow. Al- also doesn't play as, as many minutes as some of these yes. other guys. Yeah, and, and, and that is a factor. Um, Lillard is another kind of like looping story in all this. Yeah, another fi- 53% true shooting for him again. Now, all these guys, I will say, uh, Beal is another one who's at 53% true shooting. They are, they're coming on. They've been getting yes. better. Um, so, I, you know, I think they could get into this. And, you know, and for a lot of these guys, too, it's just been the fact that they are bricking their three balls at the moment. Like Bradley Beal is shooting 28% from three right now. Lillard is 30% from three. Luke uh, Mitchell is 32%. Luca is 32% as well. Well, and with Luca, also the Mavs offense is is basically at a 108 offensive rating when he's on the floor right now. That's 10 points per hundred possessions lower than it was last. Year. Yeah, and Booker, he's he's getting up to being a little bit more efficient. He probably, to me, had the best argument outside of the guys that we mentioned to get into this. Um, as I mentioned, I think he's going to be heard from. So, all right, well, that was a fun uh, fun like 50 minutes or so on just uh, all NBA. Unless you have anything else you'd like to add? No, but I, I do think that ends up covering a fair amount of the ground that we'll do in some of the other conversations though not not a ton of it um where do you want to go from here i mean there are a lot of interesting awards that we kind of consider similar levels do you want to go in a very different direction with something like rookie of the year we've talked about none of those Uh, guys let's do defensive player of the year because that's the one that i also really had to do the most work on and i thought that there were four serious candidates here rudy gobert is actually my number four uh and it came down to me at the number one spot between draymond and yana same and and i I think Draymond Green, despite the fact that you look at the Warriors personnel, and I don't think they have what people would consider awesome defensive personnel. Although some some guys, when you look at like they're starting, like, some guys are pretty underrated. Like they're getting a lot from Gary Payton the second, and Kevon Looney is still a very good defensive center, and Iguodala has played some minutes. Otto Porter like does some nice stuff. So it's that again, they don't have that many weak links. You know, Pool and Curry is not like some unbelievable defensive backcourt though. There isn't any anyone else that you would on this defense that you would look at and be like all right that's an all defense caliber player other than Draymond Green and yet they've been absolutely unbelievable on defense however when you look at some of the on off stuff you know he's it's not you know it seems just like so obvious right like they're the best defense he's the best defender on on their defense they don't have anyone else who's unbelievable like you he has this great defensive reputation he should probably be defensive player of the year when you watch them he's doing great stuff but it is a little bit harder to construct a statistical argument i would say for Draymond than for Giannis. right and a part of it so i i had Giannis above him too i'm surprised that you did um just in terms of like no i didn't i actually I, did end up with, with Draymond, but i i'm acknowledging oh, okay. that you no, know I, I may just be ultimately relying more on just my feeling about the, those teams and just the overall level that the warriors have played at uh then and and, and you know and we, we're not in the business here of oh the warriors are really good so you have to reward them you know we don't do that here hell no uh you know otherwise we would have uh you know the guy from the temporary number four seed in the east on our all-star team every year um but yeah so so you did go with Giannis. why don't you lay out the case uh, 
for him. Sure. So when Giannis has been on the floor, the Bucks defense has been incredible. Under under a point possession, 99.9 defensive rating the last time I saw it. And importantly, they're top 10 percentile in everything but forcing turnovers, which schematically is not something the Bucks are trying to do that much. And all of that falls off the fo- falls off the table when Giannis is not playing. Now, some of that is because some of their better defenders haven't been available, but that's also why what Giannis has done is so impressive. And significantly, what I said before about the four factors is 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 that the Bucks, yes, part part of the reason they've been succeeding in Giannis's minutes is that opponents are shooting just 31% from three. So if you regress that to the mean, some of this looks a little bit better. But the Bucks defense has been great in the ways that having Giannis on the floor would make them great. And they haven't had Brook Lopez, so there's no reason to believe that he should be significantly sharing this credit. Now, yes, they have some other capable defenders, the Nasus among them, and Drew has played some of the season, even though he missed a lot of time. But, you know, the backup center on this team is Bobby Portis. It's not like he's cleaning up those messes and Giannis is getting the credit there. And so I know that, for example, if you want to use like defensive EPM, like Giannis is not firmly in that mix, but I think that's because they're giving him too little of the credit. I'm not exactly sure why that is. I could talk to sign it and see if I could figure it out. But yeah, no, I was shocked to see how low Giannis is in defensive uh, EPM that he's like 27. And he's he's fifth in Raptor, including, you know, and there's some distinct non-luminaries ahead of him, including Isaiah Hartenstein is actually being a model monster right now, which is just an interesting subplot when I was looking at stats. I'm like, really? Okay. And, but Giannis, so that to me, one of the things that I think about is, okay, is the reason that this has been going well, the things that you affect and Bucks opponents are having trouble shooting around the rim and they're not fouling and they're, they're defensive rebounding pretty well, which is also really impressive when you consider the personnel that Budenholzer's had available to him. So I'm not saying it was an easy call for me. It, it certainly was not. I think that it's Giannis and Draymond. And I actually, when I kind of did my preliminary digging, had Draymond first, but then I switched it midway through the process just because A, he's playing with worse defensive talent given who's available. Yeah, and Giannis is playing I, with worse defensive talent. Yeah. Yeah. And and he, he, I mean, it, they're good in the ways that you would expect. So I it, like you would expect given a Giannis-centric defense. So yeah, I, I have number one. Yeah. So one thing worth noting is that opponents are shooting five and forgive me if you if you said this but uh opponents are shooting 5.2 percent worse from three uh when Giannis is on the floor so you can kind of you can almost adjust that defensive rating when he's on the floor up by basically like five points per 100 just because of that you know if you want to think of what their actual and you know Draymond is is benefiting from that too the Warriors as a team are really benefiting terrible opponent uh three-point shooting in a way that may not sustain um but a few and I think there's also just some really interesting things some of these are are just our arguments for Draymond some of them is just kind of interesting things uh Draymond uh, you know you, you mentioned I'm sure that Giannis uh, the numbers are great in terms of him contesting shots at the rim and also the number of shots that he contests at the rim Draymond he's played mostly I think you know whether you want to say Bielitsa is the center or him um he's probably played about half of his minutes at center and and half at power forward Draymond has only contested 56 shots at the rim so far this season and opponents are actually shooting 60 percent uh when he is contesting at the rim and also when draymond is on the floor opponents make 11.8 percentage points more shots at the rim than when he's off the floor however they take 4.4 percent fewer of their shots at the rim when he's out there and overall the warriors are giving up by far the fewest shots at the rim of any team despite not really having like a great rim protector uh they are also second in defensive rebounding which i think draymond deserves a huge percentage of the credit 
there and also fifth enforcing turnovers which again he's a a big part of that as well and you know I thought Seth had had a a really good point he was talking about the Warriors defense in that game against the Bulls and how it's just they always are pre-rotating they're always there it's kind of the never mistake activity for achievement where you maybe you're not seeing guys just flying around on the Warriors so much just because they're also smart and they're always in position and he he of course is the biggest part of that I mean you'll even see him basically like Wiggins has now replaced JaVale as the guy that Draymond just uses his controller on and just orders him around on the floor on both ends and that that's working really well um I I thought it was splitting hairs ultimately uh you know there's there definitely are weaknesses in Draymond's statistical case such as that they're not actually better with him on the floor defensively but they're also awesome regardless of whether he's on the floor or not and they they still have a really good performance with them out there so I am going to go with him part of that may be biased by seeing him more than I've seen Giannis I will admit that I have not watched as much of the Bucks this year because they've just had so many guys out and I just like all right how much am I really going to learn from these guys um as far as like what it's going to mean going forward for the playoffs and you know Warriors games I see most of their home games I go to them um so I think it's reasonable to go either Giannis or Draymond um also another interesting stat on Draymond is that lineups with Draymond at center have a 98 defensive rating um that that's another pretty 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 impressive statistic so again i think i think you're splitting hairs here but uh either one i think would be would be reasonable so then the other point of discussion i i agree with you i had those two a separation and then two other guys and that's rudy gobert and miles turner the you already got into some of the arguments against gobert opponents are shooting better around the basket than usual and actually interestingly i think this is a little bit anomalous above average on floaters when gobert's on the floor which is a little bit weird um raptor still loves him defensive raptor gobert is number one by a significant margin over blake griffin epm has him fourth behind hartenstein gary payton and Jokic. i have my misgivings of players who are above him and all that stuff but it's interesting because i the way i would describe it is that rudy gobert's importance within the jazz defense is just as just as big as it was before he just hasn't been quite as good yeah and miles turner indy with basically no other good defensive players other than him or at least certainly i would say difference making defensive players uh has a 101.7 defensive rating with him on the floor with close to best in the league level turner leads the nba in contesting shots at the rim he and gobert are miles above everyone else uh the opponents shoot 8.5 percent worse at the rim when he's on the floor um and that number in terms of that 101.7 defensive rating that's not really due to shooting lock uh, at all uh and they are nine points per 100 possessions better on defense when he's out what? there part of that is because sabonis is his backup although they've moved a little bit more towards Batadze being a, his backup now as well you, you haven't mentioned my um, favorite thing yet oh please the pacers have defensive rebounded when miles turner has been on the floor this year yeah. not even just relative but they're you know they're re- rebounding 77 percent of opponent misses this year that is significantly better than any other point in turner's career and you say oh they play big a lot yeah you know what they play big they play big a lot basically his entire career and that's a huge step forward for him the other player that i looked at so so did you have gobert three or do you have Turner? i had gobert third and turner four okay um the other player that i looked at closely because the heat are such good defense with bam out of ohio and they are seven points for 100 possessions better when he's on the floor a lot of that is that opponent jump shooting is absolutely terrible on mid-rangers um but i kind of see miami as more of an ensemble cast with guys like lowry butler tucker i mean most of the time they have three or four very good defense players on the floor 
I also thought this was fascinating that Adebayo, their nominal center, has only contested 48 shots at the rim all season. And I think a big part of that is because he's out on the floor so much more on switches and whatnot. And he's also just not that natural of a rim protector, if we're being honest. I think that's part of why they've been smart to go with the switching system, in addition to the fact that he's really good at it. And, you know, I was kind of like, hmm, like, should we give him credit because he makes their switching system? And I'm like, no, actually, like, Kyle Lowry and pj tucker are also i think equally responsible for the fact that they're able to switch one five uh finding a point guard who can switch one through five is probably as difficult as finding a center who can switch one through five and they have all those and they're in mean, their defense going to be difficult in the playoffs so uh, i didn't quite i didn't think he was quite in, in this group but i i did look at him and i thought those were interesting uh, yeah it, it's kind of in some ways the question i've always thought of it more as most but not most valuable in terms of minutes played but like you know versus most that's it's interesting like we we've had this conversation i actually wrote a piece on this eons ago about mo- how to define most uh, defensive player of the year but yeah i think that's interesting um w- one more thing on, on defensive player of the year uh we noted in the Giannis and draymond debate sorry to go back to this but i had this in my notes you mentioned how epm has draymond i think at number five and Giannis at like 27th and then uh, in terms of defense and then raptor has Giannis at number five and draymond at number 44 and I, my best guess at why that is is that stat that i gave you about protecting the rim where Draymond allowing 64% shooting at the rim when he contests and the number of shots that he contests at the rim and because 538 includes the tracking data and that like the, at least the publicly available tracking data and you know two of the bigger metrics in the tracking data are not particularly kind to Draymond that's why I would guess it, he is is listed so low there so with this going for so long I'm deciding to actually take this to a part two which will run tomorrow but for those of you on the free feed fear not we're actually doing a free preview of dunked on prime for the next week or so so you'll get to listen to this tomorrow night we'll talk to you all then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.